today on CityCast Chicago. In a city where Latinos make up the second largest demographic, we continue to see more representation in politics from city council to Congress. There's a chance next month Chicago will elect its first Latino mayor. Dr. Wilfredo Cruz has tracked this rise in his new book, Latinos in Chicago, Quest for a Political Voice. It's Monday, January 23rd. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. You kind of get the book started with the relationship the Latino community had with Richard J. Daley, the longtime mayor uh, who was sworn in in 1955. Can you tell us a little bit about that time? And but also, who were the amigos for Daley, and and what did that political organization do? Under the uh, administration of Richard J. Daley, he was ignoring Latinos. He was taking their voice their voice for granted, taking their vote for granted. Also, a group uh, called Amigos for Daley, which are mostly Mexican business people kind of formed their organization and they started reaching out to the mayor. It's trying to get their foot into City Hall. And the mayor was giving them business licenses and permits. Uh, He kind of saw them as a non-threatening conservative group uh, that would help him push his agenda. But for all their work, uh, they received very little in return. They didn't get any jobs at city government. Uh, He he didn't bring them in. He didn't help them uh, run for political office. So they were given a lot and getting very little in return. What was sort of driving the political interests of Latinos across Chicago? Well, they were trying to get their foot in the door like other communities. They were trying to get a voice. Uh, but again, they were neglected. And then the chapter on Richard J. Daly, I basically saying that it was the machine uh, the machine that kept them out. Uh, you had white mm-hmm. uh, aldermen and wards like the 31st Ward, Thomas Keene, who didn't bring in the growing Latino community. In the 25th Ward, you had the alderman Vito Marsullo, Italian who was in his mid-80s, very racist. He was saying a lot of racist things about Mexicans, calling them rats, and refusing to acknowledge that the ward was changing and that you had a second generation of Latinos who wanted a voice and wanted a uh, to get active in politics. You talk about a moment in the book that really sparked political activism, and that was the riot in Humboldt Park in 1966. Can you talk about what issues drove that riot and how did that in many ways awaken people's, maybe not their political consciousness, but their desire to participate more in uh, maybe not the machine per se, but Chicago politics at large. Puerto Ricans had never rioted in any major city in the United States. And they had a lot of concerns. And one of the big concerns is police brutality. Uh, the police department was predominantly white. You have very few African-Americans, very few Latinos. It was mostly Irish controlled. And they were very um, mean and very hard uh, with the Puerto Rican community. And they endured a lot of brutality for a long time. They complained. And again, nobody listened to them. The mayor didn't listen to them. The white aldermen didn't listen to them. And so this came in 1966 after the Puerto Rican first Puerto Rican parade downtown. Uh, there was an altercation in Division Street. I guess a police officer shot uh, this young man who was fighting. They said he's armed and witnesses said he was not armed. Uh, and so the young people started pelting the police with rocks and bricks. And this riot went on for three days. Uh, and, and Mayor Richard J. Daley was stunned. They were expecting the black community to riot uh, in 1966, not the Puerto Rican community. They had a whole list of concerns that were very legitimate. And Mayor Richard J. Daley blamed it on outsiders. He was saying this, this, these were outsiders. These were communists who were coming in, uh, troublemakers, disturbing the community. So he really didn't take their concerns very serious. 
in some of the years after, very shortly after, you would see the emergence of groups like the Young Lords in Lincoln Park and in Humboldt Park coming, growing more politically active, building coalitions with like the Black Panthers. If you talk about the influence young young political groups and young people inside the, the Puerto Rican, the Mexican community, how important were they to, to activating their communities? The Young Lords is very, very important. They were actually a, a street gang, and then they got very politicized in Lincoln Park. They were against gentrification in Lincoln Park. Uh, there was The mayor was trying to, that was a very uh, up-and-coming community, and so they were displacing Puerto Ricans out of there. Uh, and so the Young Lords took a stand. Uh, they took over a church. Uh, and they got involved in politics. So say Ch- uh, Chacha Jimenez was actually the, the president of the Young Lords. He actually ran for alderman. Uh, he got about 25 percent of the vote. But it kind of showed the inexperience that Latinos didn't know how to beat the machine yet. They didn't have the know-how. They didn't have the, the resources. They didn't have the troops. Uh, they didn't know how hard knocked politics, uh, bare-knuckle politics was played in the city. And then in the Mexican community, you had Rudy Lozano in Jesus Garcia, who set up the 22nd Independent Ward Organization. And Rudy ran for alderman. Uh, He lost by about 17 votes. I mean, he was was very sharp, very astute. Unfortunately, he was assassinated by a gang member. That murder was never solved. People believed that he was assassinated because of his labor and political organizing. And then after that, Jesus Garcia kind of took the mantle uh, and continued uh, Rudy Lasano's work. And he eventually got elected as alderman and then later on as state senator. And now he's a congressman and he's actually running for mayor. Uh, he's, some polls predict he's a front runner. So it's a very interesting trajectory of how the Latino communities come about in terms of political empowerment in the city of Chicago. And the congressman is not shy about giving you his 40-year history and his connection to Harold Washington. How did the late mayor not only court the Latino vote across the city, but really, you know, invest in uh, maybe speaking directly to community members in ways that candidates had not prior to? Yeah, he came out. He was one of the first uh, politicians to come out into the community, Puerto Rican communities and Mexican communities and talk to the people. He came to the churches. He came to the community centers. He ate the food. He ate the food. Uh, he was very, very, uh, very charismatic and uh, really reached out and was saying, you know, you've been marginalized just like we have in terms of the political machine. And if I get in office, I'm going to be a reform mayor and I'm going to appoint Latinos to my administration and I'm going to bring you in and give you a piece of the, of the political pie. And so he was saying things that really resonated with the Latino community. Uh, and Jesus Garcia had seen him before in Congress and said he was a very progressive congressman. He was pushing immigrant rights. Uh, he was pushing things that were really very important to the Latino community. So they kind of knew his track record already. Uh, I quote Jesus Garcia in the book. He tells Harold Washington, if you run for mayor, you got the support of the Mexican community. Uh, he brought in first for the first time black and brown faces at City Hall, getting them good jobs in the Department of Waters, the streets and sanitation, Department of Sewers. Brought in more women. Yes, but a lot more women. He's very, very uh, progressive in terms of bringing in women. Asian-Americans, he, he had the Commission on Gay Affairs, Latino Commission and Latino Affairs. Uh, he also declared Chicago sanctuary city. He didn't want officials here, uh, you know, uh, helping immigration go after Mexicans and uh, people who were undocumented. He was, he was, he was one, true, he says he was the father of sanctuary cities in the United States. He was way ahead of his time in terms of being a very progressive, independent politician.
we keep uh, alluding to Congressman Jesus Chuy Garcia, who, again, 40 years into his career, you know, there are some people who will still say he has uh, lived up to, to his progressive roots. And some will say after 40 years of being an alder person, a representative, a Cook County commissioner, congressperson, that one can only be a part of the machine after so long. But I want to know, how did he get his start in Chicago's political arena? Well, he got to start again going all the way back to Rudy Lozano, the 22nd Award Independent Organization. I don't think uh, Jesus Garcia is a machine. Somebody, a reporter asked him, was he um, trying to create a new machine? Because he's helping a lot of young Latinos and Latinas get elected to political office. And so people are saying, you create another machine. And he said, he said, no, this is not a machine. These are progressive people who want a voice. I don't have jobs to give out. This is not patronage. We're not excluding other people. I want to talk about the the next daily stint, right? Starts in, in 89 and moves throughout the 90s. You know, Mayor Richard M. Daly, did he, how did he go about um, reaching out to Latino voters? And, and, and what promises did he make? Did he pick up from his father or did he maybe carry some of the tactics from, from the Herald Coalition? Well, when he first started, uh, everybody assumed he was going to be a reformed mayor. I mean, the media gave him a big uh, honeymoon. Uh, he he started doing some of the things that Harold Washington was doing. He started appointing more Latinos uh, to city jobs. He actually appointed uh, Raymond Orozco as the fire commissioner, uh, Matt Rodriguez as the superintendent of police. So he started making a lot of Latino appointments, which is very, very good. Uh, he was giving more city contracts to uh, Latino businesses. So it looked like for a little while that he was doing very progressive things. But then later on, you have the development of the HDO, the Hispanic Democratic Organization. They started in this first election. Uh, this was a group from the South Side, mostly Mexican, who's Mexican members who actually became a, kind of a patronage army. There were over a thousand members who were doing Mayor Daly's uh, M. Daly, the son, his dirty work. They were uh, uh, backing him up for mayor and also going after people that he didn't like. They actually went after Jesus Garcia because Jesus Garcia was a state senator who was very independent, who had taken some stands against uh, Richard uh, M. Daly. And so they went after them and actually defeated him. They actually uh, backed up a white candidate in the 10th Ward against a Latino candidate. And for all their work, all their pay, all their work, they were being rewarded with city jobs. They were getting these jobs in the streets and sanitation. Al Sanchez, one of the founders, he became commissioner of streets and sanitation. Angela Torres, another lieutenant, was running the hire truck uh, program that was a big scandal. Mm -hmm. The Sun-Times broke a, broke a story saying that these truckers were getting paid all this money, $40 million a year, to do nothing. And Angela Torres went to jail. Al Sanchez went to jail. Robert Sorridge, his uh, intergovernmental person, went to jail. So he was doing what his father was doing. It was a machine politics from day one. And in many ways, you see coming out of a lot of that crop of individuals that a lot of elected officials from, I mean, obviously, not just the Latino community. We've seen this across Anybody who gets into Chicago politics, whether you're white, black, Asian, uh, Latino, but some find themselves wrapped up in corruption and machine, the same machine politics they once fought against. So, so it, it leads to this question, right? Is there a way to succeed in Chicago politics without being corrupt or at least kind of, you know, skirting the rules or, you know, scratching back, so to speak? You know, it's kind of sad here. The Latino community had waited so many years for progressive independent-minded uh, politicians, and you had people like Ricardo Munoz and Alderman Danny Solis and Ambrosio Madrano, uh, State Senator Martin Sandoval, State Representative Luis Arroyo, all getting caught up in bribery and schemes, and a lot of them ended up in jail. 
the Cook County Commissioner, uh, uh, Mario Moreno, uh, the judge gave him 11 years in jail. He's still in jail. And Rosa Madrano, three times got caught uh, doing the criminal kinds of things. Uh, but then I end the book on a positive note. I have a new a chapter that talks about these young people who call themselves democratic socialists who are getting elected. They're very young. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're doing some great things. They have very great ideas. They're talking about affordable housing and rent control and immigration rights and quality education. And so I say this generation represents a, a, a break away from the machine politics. They represent a young generation of a new breed of politicians who have the community interests first, not their own interests and not the party's interests and not the machine interests. Uh, Delia Ramirez just got elected as the first Latina congressman in the new ward. So now we have Jesus Garcia and we have Delia Ramirez who's Guatemalan. So I see the future very bright for Latino politics. I I think these young, younger generation are going to do a lot of great things. Often because of the nature of our city, the way we've been taught to see each other. When we talk about the rise of one group's political power, uh, it often feels like it's coming at the expense of someone else's. So when we think about the ward remapping process, it felt like there was this black versus brown conversation. How do you think we can be productive about, you know, speaking about the rise of Latino power without uh, necessarily denigrating the power of any other community? That's a good question. Yeah, unfortunately, there's there's a possibility, especially African-Americans who now see themselves as the third largest group in Chicago. Latinos are now the second largest group. So there's a potential either for coalition building or for resentment and hostilities. Politics is the art of compromise. You can't have everything that you want. Uh, and I think blacks and Latinos need to reach out to each other and talk and converse and kind of what Harold Washington was doing. They shouldn't be fighting over crumbs and fighting with each other. Um, and because one group makes progress, the other group should not look at it as, as you know, some, somebody's taking something away from me. I think the African-American community is still very, very politically strong. I mean, you have Lori Lightfoot, you have uh, Kim Fox, you have uh, Tony Preckwinkle. And those are big, powerful positions. Dr. Wilfredo Cruz, I appreciate you joining CityCast Chicago again. He is the author of Latinos in Chicago, Quest for a Political Voice. Thank you so much. The context you offer today, the history lesson you provided, uh, I'm very grateful. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. Chicago Public Schools has published its proposed calendar for the 2023-24 school year. Listeners can provide feedback on their website until Wednesday at 5 p.m. The board will vote on the final calendar in February. Southwest Side City Council candidates in the 12th, 13th, 14th, and 15th wards are holding a forum Thursday from 7 to 9 p.m. at Curie High School in Archer Heights. You can submit questions at the link in the show notes. Early voting in February's election begins this Thursday at two sites in the loop. The election super site at 191 North Clark Street and the Chicago Board of Election Office at 69 West Washington Street. And some good news to get you through. In celebration of Lunar New Year, there are great events this week from Uptown to Chinatown, including the Lunar New Year Parade this Sunday. It starts at 1 p.m. at 24th and Wentworth. For some of those events, make sure you subscribe to our daily newsletter, Hey Chicago, at chicago.citycast.fm. I'm going to talk to you tomorrow. Peace. 
I'm going to ask that question one more time. You don't have to answer it. I just I wasn't recording until you started. So I just want to make sure we have that on the record. So I'll ask it as if I said it for the first time. Uh, 